welcome back to It's an Inside Job podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lim. Now, this podcast is dedicated to helping you to help yourself and others to become more mentally and emotionally resilient so you can be better at bouncing back from life's inevitable setbacks. Now, on It's an Inside Job, we decode the science and stories of resilience into practical advice, skills, and strategies that you can use to impact your life and those around you. Now, with that said, let's slip into the stream. Well, welcome back to a fresh new episode and a fresh new week. I am glad you can join me for another conversation. This week, I want to continue the series where I talk to human resource professionals as to what is needed to build resilient organizations. And in this ongoing series, I want to talk to these top HR professionals to understand what is the DNA of resilient organizations. And this includes various topics such as psychological safety, inclusiveness, diversity, creating a feedback culture, creating a learning mindset, and a whole host of other topics and skill sets that we need. And this week, I'm very pleased to be joined by Tuva Selnas, who can add so much dimension to this conversation. Currently, Tuva Selnas holds the position of Executive Vice President of People at Sturebrand. She also sits on the board of SPP Funder AB and Skagen AS. And until recently, as last year, she held the position as Chairwoman on the board of HR Norge or HR Norway. Well, I really hope, folks, that you enjoy this interview I have with Tuva this week. And so let's slip into the stream and meet Tuva Selnes. Uh, welcome, Tuva. Thank you for being able to join us. I know your schedule is quite hectic and it took us a few months to arrange this uh, hour and a bit. So I really appreciate you showing up. I was wondering, perhaps, Tuva, you could tell us a little about your background and what you do thank you jason it's great to uh, to join your show so i'm tova selnes i've been working in the human relations or people leadership business uh, ever since i graduated uh, from uh, from law school at university of uh, of oslo mm. i love working with with the change management with uh, how to solve difficult problems together with with smart uh, people and right now I'm the chief people officer in in Storebrand and I work here together with more than 2000 smart employees uh, trying to to make yeah to make a difference in the world. And I, I think that's important and those are strong compass points. I was wondering could you just for our international listeners could you describe what Storebrand's focus is? Yes, definitely. So, so Storbrand is a Norwegian financial group within uh, pensions and savings as the core area. The largest uh, pension and life insurance company in the Nordic region, actually. And, uh, and it's great to, to talk about Storbrand because we have a history all the way back to 1767. So we were founded after great, terrible fires in Norwegian cities back back at the time. So we've had really like a focus on solving people's problem and, and safeguarding life and, um, and property. So uh, we have had occupational pension for Norwegian workers since 1917. And an ethic and social responsibility and sustainability are our most 
important uh, values. We are also one of the largest and fastest growing asset managers in the Nordic region and really focusing on sustainable in investment. Our focus on sustainable mm. investment goes back actually 25 years. So um, actually several years we have been awarded uh, also um, to be mo- the most sustainable insurance company in the world. So this is something that we really live by, not only talk about. Well, congratulations for that. And I, I have to say, those are definitely noble aims for an organization. And you said there's about 2,000 employees. Is that what I understand? Yeah, that's true. It's uh, around 2,000 employees. And the 450 of those are in uh, in Sweden. And the rest mostly in Norway. And, and a few great colleagues uh, in Nordic region and also UK. Great. So part of this series is talking to HR professionals such as yourself and, and to understand certain elements of how to create a sense of well-being and psychological safety and creating feedback culture. So I'd like to sort of take all that apart. But if we rewind back, I was wondering, I'd like to have this podcast as an archive of experience after we've all been through the pandemic and the following lockdowns. I was wondering, to the extent you'd like to share with us, how did the lockdowns and the pandemic affect the employees at Sturebrand? No, so, so I think um, in, in Norway, compared to other countries in the world, the pandemic, of course, have been tough, especially with, for, for children and, and young people uh, being away from school for such a long time, especially the teenagers were, were, had the lockdown for a, for a long time. And of yeah. course, that affected also the, the parents working from home and also having to follow up on your kids uh, with the schooling and, and everything at the same time. But I think mostly how it has affected the employees is a more focus on how important our work life is for, for being social, getting feedback, being being human actually and being having that social interaction and understanding how much our colleagues really mean for us so i think we've had an awakening mm-hmm. in in really understanding the importance of uh, our work life and mm-hmm. actually as a small fun fact what we saw for instance on our intranet during the pandemic suddenly the 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 hearts and the emojis with more kind of emotions in it became more frequent. People were more enthusiastic and, and giving support in new ways because we, we were missing the, the small talk with our colleagues, etc. And we found new ways of sh- showing support. And uh, so we, we could really sense this small change in, in, in more need for um, emotions. And I think, and, and I remember when we sat down a couple of months ago, face to face. You know, you you were talking about how a large focus of Sturebron is to focus on the well-being of its employees and to create psychological mm-hmm. safety. And so, after the pandemic, did you find that there was an 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 increase in the intensity to focus on the well-being and psychological safety after you know we saw? how it affected employees, how it affected people? Was there an increased um, interest in building even more well-being, even creating more sort of that connective tissue between employees? 
Yes, definitely. We saw uh, during the pandemic a growing in the teams that really functioned well. We had a growing understanding of support and having, you know, some time for small talks or giving support between colleagues. But also we were focusing a lot together with the managers how to follow up on a more individual basis. I, I think that we came closer to people's full life during the pandemic because we had to you know take into account that that people had different uh, needs and we needed to be flexible in order to to fulfill our tasks etc mm-hmm. so i think it was a growing understanding during the pandemic and when we came back we saw of course that there is some, uh, of course, we are resilient and, and we managed a lot through a tough time. But afterwards, there are some people that are tired. There are, uh, so, so there is, it's important to follow up and it's more understanding around the flexibility. I think so. And during the pandemic, we were focusing on how to be more close to each other mm. in digital meetings, for instance. Mm. So having check-in in, in starting every meeting. It's one small way of making sure everyone have their voice heard and and get some attention uh, in the start of a meeting. It's it's easy. It's quick. Mm. So so small structure that yeah. really facilitates for more empathetic management, but also to be co-workers in a in a better way as well. I think that's well said because psychological safety, I I think for most of the corporations I'm in and out of every day, psychological safety has become one of the major things to focus on. But the question is, after a while, psychological safety can become management speak. So if we can get into the nuts and bolts, into the trees here, how does Sturebrand define psychological safety what are some of the key elements that you guys focus on to build that uh, resilience in the organization and teams mm. so we have been working with the with the with the concept and and uh, to be conscious about how much more we can manage and and get out of uh, every individual and how every individual can actually bring to the table if they feel included if they feel heard understood and if they can kind of uh, lower their shoulders and and really participate in in the the work together so we see that psychological safety is really important when we work in teams and more and more more um, problems are so complex that they need to be solved by people with different backgrounds and they need to be solved by more than one person. And then psychological safety is so important in order to make sure that we get the best solutions. And we see that what is psychological safety? We feel, we think that psychological safety is so that you feel comfortable in the group uh, so that you can bring to the table uh, your opinions, your thoughts, and also your doubts maybe, because that's really important when you work to innovate something or to solve difficult problems. So we've been working a lot about understanding what psychological safety is, because what psychological safety is not, is uh, it's a group dynamic it's not an individual rehearsal because when we started talking about it you could hear some managers say yeah but 
I don't think that person have enough of psychological safety to work in this environment. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's like, yeah, that's that's not how psychological safety works. Psychological mm-hmm. safety is something we create together. And as a manager, you have a special uh, responsibility to facilitate for an increased psychological safety. And psychological safety is something that you build and grow together. Mm-hmm. And it can be changed so quickly uh, if we if we do not um, follow good uh, good ways of working and mm. are more interested in open and listening more than criticizing and so on and i think in a group with a high degree of psychological safety we can also have discussions where we really turn around and and discuss and and disagree but the disagreement is understood as something to bring the team or the solution to a higher level not to criticize on a personal level yeah to keep it professional to keep it on the issue and the problem and not on the person itself and yeah. I, I highly respect that definition. And so there, there are a lot of managers out there thinking, okay, I've read about uh, psychological safety. I understand diversity and inclusiveness. So if we got even more sort of skill-based, very pragmatic here, Tuva, mm-hmm. if, if we were to just say a general team of, let's say, eight people, a management team of some sort, yeah. what recommendations would you give to the leader, him or her, to create to create a sense of inclusiveness? I mean, how what does that look like and how does that show up? How does a person engage and infuse that team with inclusiveness? Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of important tools and ways to, to do mm-hmm. it. It's important to listen more than, than talking. But actually what we know from this research in at Google, it is that the one element that is most important is actually distribute um, uh, the time that the, the, the participants talk in an equal way. So if people uh, share and talk um, equally, more, more or less equally in a group, that is actually one of the most important uh, ways of increasing the, the psychological safety. But it's also to make sure that we are interested and and that we are more curious and criti- critical. Yeah. I think that is also um, important. And then understanding how you as a manager have uh, often a stronger or a higher status position. So try to lower your status in order to to understand and and open up for the group to to bring to the table, so not closing the discussions um, too early are some of the of the good tools. But mm. in our uh, work with diversity and uh, inclusion, also to become more aware of our biases is, yeah. uh, is of course, also um, important. And understanding that biases is something that is, is useful when it comes to sorting information and it's a natural human behavior but growing as a person is becoming aware of your biases so that you can make sure they don't hinder you from getting building relations and understanding other people better so that has been really eye-opening when we have been working with 
with this uh, to be conscious about the biases and also making structures and and making sure biases doesn't come in our way. I think I think that's really I don't I'd like to go into each of those in a sec, but to talk about biases when I'm in and out of. Uh, corporations when i'm working coaching and such there's three biases that i see that come up there's the negativity bias and that's the natural tendency for the brain to look for threats and dangers yeah. and so as you said if you're aware of the negativity bias then you can ask questions if you're coaching your people or coaching yourself to think okay what are the positives of this side right to overcome that to show a sense of gratitude for the team you've got to show a sense of self-compassion and compassion for others Another one is confirmation bias. So if I go and think this is the way we're going to do it and this is why I think it is. Or if I think that, oh, there's Jason, that Canadian, he's such a bonehead, right? And then I will have a confirmation bias that all Canadians are boneheads and I will look for those certain characteristics and behaviors to confirm my bias and so it's to sometimes step back as you said to it and get the bigger picture mm. and i think another one that is so important right now is something called proximity bias proximity being the the, the distance we have from someone and especially in a hybrid model when you have some people checking in remotely and some people mm. in real life that we have a tendency automatically and not intentionally to favor or to give weight to those people who are physically present in the room. And so these three biases are just three of them that I see to work on. And I think it's so important to be, as you said, to be conscious or cognizant of the biases. Yeah. So just to rewind for a second. So the things you're saying is to listen and not to talk so much, to, to be more actively listened, to distribute the time to talk to people. Yeah. Now, for some managers, they're going to have more sometimes introverted people and some extroverted who take up more time. And sometimes the introverted who may be more technically or numbers oriented or what have you, how do you encourage the more quiet ones to speak? And they say, oh, no, I have nothing to say. But how do you encourage them to say to speak? Because uh, sometimes it can be a self-confidence issue. Mm. Yes, I agree. And what what we see is uh, you can you can do... Uh, you can use some of the agile techniques, for mm. instance, of uh, voting with your hands. We know sometimes uh, in uh, in my management team, we can start the discussion by, okay, let's make sure that the first one talking is not setting the full agenda here, but mm. let's do like a test vote. Do we promote this, uh, this suggestion uh, and then vote with your hands? One, two, three, five, mm. four you know, voting like that. And then we start a discussion after because then everyone have actually demonstrated their position and then we share uh, and discuss and then we decide together afterwards. That is one technique. Another mm. technique is also something called the voice of the system where actually you, you distribute very, you go one by one and discuss and you build upon each other and and actually learning that method and how it, it, it can it can bring more to the um, to the table so so to yeah. this to actually actively distribute uh, is one way mm. i've been working in the tech industry and and of course i know that someone like writing more than talking so mm. in hybrid meetings also to have the chat uh, function in place can also actually be 
very efficient because some Mm. are not so fond of talking that they can really good you know writing Mm. in the chat uh, function and also sometimes maybe for the introverts to give them time to think Mm. can also be important so we discuss and then we say let's take two minutes or or some minutes to sit and reflect before we move on. I think that is one technique that maybe is undervalued and should be used um, more. I I really like all those techniques, especially the first one you talked about, you know, where, you know, people can sort of actively engage just by raising a hand. And as you said, you can see what side of the fence they sit on. And that, that's already a way of priming them to have a discussion. So I think that's a very elegant, or as you called it, an agile way of engaging people. In the first part, Tuva made some very salient points when it comes to what psychological safety is. And that's the ability for people to feel comfortable in their group, in their team. And what does that mean? Well, it means they're able to bring to the table their opinions, their thoughts, and the doubts. And she recommends the most important element is the ability to distribute the time that people talk within the group. It's about being curious and not always so critical. It's about lowering our status as managers to encourage people to engage. Now, in the second part of our conversation, we dive into one of the key elements of psychological safety and that's the ability to foster and build a feedback culture and so in this second part you'll discover along with myself in this conversation what are the specific nuts and bolts of how Sturebrand, how Tuva Selness and her team encourages a feedback culture. For myself there were a couple of key takeaways when it comes to feedback culture at Sturebrand. As you will discover, Tula talks about the feedback from peers, from peer to peer, colleague to colleague, is much more important than the feedback from manager to employee. A second salient point that really stood out to me was that at Sturebrand, feedback is not just about giving direct feedback based on performance, how someone can improve. Instead, it's about encouraging reflection. It's to ask more than tell, where the fundamental question that is asked is, how can we learn from this? And that adds to that learning culture, that mindset that Stuart Abran fosters within its walls. Part of psychological safety is evidently having a feedback culture, which you alluded to to some extent. I was wondering, could you describe how important is a feedback culture? Maybe obviously on an organizational level, but if we get a little more sort of specifically with teams, how do you encourage or how important is the feedback culture within Sturebrand? Mm. No, so we've been working with the feedback culture for uh, some time mm-hmm. and um, we see that research shows that feedback from your peers is even more uh, important and maybe you know, developing your skills uh, more than the feedback from managers. So we've tried to to focus on feedback, not only from managers, but how to facilitate for feedback from from your peers and your colleagues Mm -hmm. uh, in different ways. So we have in our um, HR system, it's very easy to give feedback to anyone. And we encourage after projects finished, etc., uh, to also ask for feedback uh, so that uh, you can send out actually a request. 
So that is kind of, you know, put in system. But also uh, we focus on the importance of feedback, how we learn from feedback, how feedback actually, you know, uh, gives reflection. And we've been focusing on feedback, not as, you know, me teaching you, but more feedback on, you know, to to encourage reflection. So mm-hmm. it's we have put feedback very much more than in a performance management, you know, kind of um, context. We have put feedback in a we are a learning culture context. So in Storebrand, we really want to encourage learning and improving all the time. So how can we make sure we we learn? And that is, you know, by giving feedback in a open, curious, strength-based way. We know if you focus on the strength, people listen and, and grow and and um, both performance and and uh, engagement increases. So so really to to focus on that strength-based learning learning setting has been important. And we have um, also actually had the last year we had one employee day that we call the Storebrand day mm-hmm. where we each year focus on learning and development with this special focus and and last year we also focused a lot on feedback culture and actually we were training on giving feedback to people you only had met for a couple of hours that day uh, so we had speed dating feedback where you <laughs> where you you know you stood yeah. online and you and you gave feedback at a special instruction and it felt so awkward the two first time when <laughs> you came to number 7 it was like you know i can handle this i can really handle this and yeah. so i think doing we need to train we're not so good at giving feedback and we really are not good at taking feedback in a good way you know saying thank you that was really i will think about that that was i yeah to 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 thank when you get feedback is also important i <laughs> I, I love that feedback uh the speed dating yeah. but um, yeah sorry i just had to <laughs> stop laughing here for a second but i know i really it really i think that was that's great because i think part of what what i hear you saying is that by creating these sort of initiatives like Sturebrand dog or what have you is mm. that it, it it acclimatizes people to the idea of giving and receiving feedback and the whole idea i would what just to rewind to the peer-to-peer or colleague-to-colleague feedback, I think that is really good. Because sometimes what I see in organizations, if you have two departments or two teams that are working together and they're not really talking, it, mm. the employee talks to his manager and that manager talks to this manager, then the manager gives it down to this employee instead mm. of the employees talking to each other. And all these initiatives that you're saying, this embeds the culture People get used to giving feedback. And I think another thing that you said is to sometimes ask for feedback because there's the traditional way, let me give you feedback. Just to add on to what you said, since we're talking very tool-based here, a lot of the times I ask, especially if they're departments working with each other, I ask them to ask five questions when you're asking for feedback. What do we do well? How can we improve? What do you need more of uh, more from us or what do you need less of from us? What is one thing we could either change or eliminate to improve our collaboration or cooperation? And sometimes 
I think what you said, it really resonates with Intuva because when you invite feedback, that's almost like giving an olive branch of peace that, you know, we know we're not perfect and we've had some conflict. Please give us some feedback and we'll take it on board. And what happens, that builds a sense of trust and that connective tissue, psychological safety, as you've termed it. And then that team, team B, will think, you know, team A has asked for feedback. Maybe we should do the same. And this creates this connective tissue, this bridging. And another thing I really like what you said is not, it's to create feedback that's based on reflection. And so it's not just me telling you, Tuva, this is how you can improve. But what I hear is you're asking more than telling. And you're getting me to think, okay, this is what I need to improve. And I start to articulate my own thoughts. Is this what I understand? Definitely. And, uh, and I think also by, by asking for feedback, you, you, you are directly showing that I believe you have, um, you, you, I value your opinion. Uh, I value your competence. I value our relation. Uh, because asking for feedback is is a little bit, you know, opening up and and being humble. So so it creates a very psychologically safe environment. I'm uh, I'm opening up and and giving you, you know, uh, the opportunity to 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 give feedback because I believe you you are competent. I I value your opinion, etc. So so it's a very um, so that is actually very efficient by building um, a feedback culture. And as you say, you inspire also those who you ask for feedback to maybe ask themselves. Hmm. Definitely, definitely. And I think there is strength in vulnerability because when you go out there and expose your throat and say, look, can you please give me some feedback on this or this or this? Hmm. I, a lot of people think, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's, it's, it's going to wound too deep. But I think... There is, a, there is a strength and a courage and vulnerability to be open to that because I think that feeds so much into what you were talking about, uh, Tuva, about uh, building a, a learning culture, a learning mindset within the organization. And the only way we can learn is through learning from our mishaps and our, and our fumbles and, mm. and we've made mistakes. Mm. If we shift it to someone, you know, managers, go, managers may be thinking that's all in grades and a lot of these tools are perfect and I can implement this. But you know what? I have a couple of, I have one super sensitive person, he or she, they're, they, they're very important to the team and they do great work. But anytime I give them any little feedback at, from top down or peer to peer, they take it personally and they overreact and they storm out of the room or whatever the behavior is. In those cases, from your experience, I know it's very specialized here, and I'm asking yes. for a general solution. What mm. recommendations would you give to a manager that he or she can deal with, um, let's just call it an overly sensitive person receiving feedback? Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think it's, uh, it's not that rare that it's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what I would recommend to this manager, I would recommend to test how well or how how to address the feedback mm -hmm. with someone else, so you can you can um, actually rehearse on giving feedback to someone uh, who, in your opinion, are sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, and then remember, of course, I've been coaching and going together with manager into difficult conversation many, many times. And um, what I say to them is that if you go to a difficult conversation with an employee without feeling 
it a little bit in your stomach and 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 wondering how to deal with this if you if you don't have that sense then you're not a good manager because there is a status difference there is a distance of power and we tend as managers to forget it but of course it is and that means that we need when we when we want to give difficult feedback or feedback to someone we we sense as sensitive then we need to lower our status in some way we need to 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 feed them and make them feel good and and i think it's easy for us as managers to say but but they should handle this i mean it's a professional environment it's it's work and uh, you should handle some feedback from a manager and of course it's an opinion but what do you perceive or what what yes. what is the reaction it's the reaction and the change in behavior that we want to look for so why don't go to psychological theory and and so on to find out how do i motivate how do i build this person so that we can have talk about this and my best advice to the manager is ask more than tell really be curious about something don't come and judge but but ask and and make uh, the uh, employee uh, reflect mm. and maybe share share some of your vulnerability and and thoughts and build a, a relation there that that could be a good start i think that's very very salient points you've made because i see a lot of parallels you know I've been working in the corporate environment for about 20 years, but before that I worked with trauma. And what you're saying is ask, don't tell. And you know, and when people are working with trauma, sometimes it's hard for them to receive feedback. I'm not no, I'm not saying oversensitive people are traumatized, but I just want to say that there are parallels. Because what you want to do is by asking, that leads to what you said, is reflecting. People get in a reflective mindset, their hemispheres are balanced, and they can consider different things. And sometimes that's a very simple but a deeply elegant way to explore a person's behavior or their performance or their attitude or their approach to certain things. And to layer on top of what you said, sometimes when I'm working with teams, I ask managers to understand what are the rules of engagement you want for your people? Like what what should they expect? And part of that is a feedback culture. Part of that is having difficult conversations. And sometimes that manager, he or she can say, and, and, and not to just to target that one oversense of people, but to talk to his or her team and saying, okay, guys, you know, we're going to have, we have formal and informal feedback. And this is just part of the process. And so I, I really like what you're saying is ask, don't tell, explore, let them reflect on their own behaviors or attitudes. Because then that becomes easier for you to kind of, because you can just ask question after question after question. And after a while, that reflection will be the feedback they, they get anyways. And, and then you can summarize what they've said. Is that what I understand you're saying, Tuva? Yes, definitely. So so it's, if you want to achieve results and, and, uh, and push uh, this uh, forward, I think you need to step back a little bit and give the other person some room and and build a relation and and, and create reflection together in, mm. in in a better way 
And so you have both at Sturban, you have both uh, formal and informal ways of giving feedback. I would just want to come back to the peer-to-peer because I think that was very interesting. Uh, is the peer-to-peer, is it is it anonymous or is, do they know who they're getting the feedback from after, let's say, after a project's been done and such? No, so it's not anonymous. Mm. Okay. It's open. It's open, so it's face-to-face. And so... Yeah. I was just also wondering, sometimes, you know, I, when I'm working with teams, they finish a project and then they move on to the next project. Mm-hmm. And, but sometimes there, there was been conflict and, and it hasn't gone as smoothly, but the project's been done. And sometimes we, we bring it back up and say, okay, now it's a case study. It's, 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 we're mm-hmm. finished. There's a period at the end of the sentence. And so the emotional contagion has kind of, it's not so, uh, um, it's not so intense. And so we use that sometimes as a case study to break down and to give each other feedback of how the project could have gone better. Is this, I don't know if I've picked up on the thread, but is this something you were speaking to at Sturebrand that you do this too? Definitely. So, so we have had, uh, you know, when finishing up projects, et cetera, to have some kind of, you know, kick in mm. to, to, to some closure. But mm. I really liked your idea in, in having some distance to it because I think, it's it's easier when you when we together look at this case and and try to learn and and bring it to a next level so it's actually something i will note and and bring back to our organization because i think we learn so we learn a lot when we are kind of in it and oh, and close <laughs> to to it but but you learn something different when you can take a step back and and reflect together mm. and you know so what could we learn from this and mm. and how was that and how could we improve etc so so i think that's a very it's a very good good idea in the final part of our conversation tuva and i talk about the hybrid model and how it shows up at sturebrand she says it's a balance between flexibility and predictability. She talks about that the framework of the hybrid model is based not on rules as it is on their values, the company's values. She mentions that Sturebrand is such a diverse company and the essence of the business is so different that it's up to the team themselves as to how they show up. But she also mentions that there are a couple of core fundamentals when it comes to the hybrid model, that the office is the core of our organizational culture and there's Sturebrand Tuesdays where everybody shows up where they try to minimize the Teams and Zoom meetings and have more face-to-face. Also in this third part, I asked Tuva how she personally deals with setbacks and builds personal resilience. And I also asked her if she could share any advice for young professionals coming into the game or for those of you who have become fresh new managers and leaders. Well, enough from me. Tuva, take it away. What we have done when it comes to working with the hybrid workplace, coming back from the pandemic, yeah, yeah. Uh, we really find now that we have more tools to navigate in, in the hybrid world. Should we meet physically or should this be a hybrid or a all digital meeting, etc.? So, So we have made some kind of uh, conversation tool, a canvas, that yeah. every team discuss together how how they want their team to be organized when it comes to how how we work, what type type of meetings we have, what arenas, what kind of rule rules for engagement to make it predictable, mm. and um, and in in that canvas 
it's also so that we we set a time for evaluating how this works and and give each other feedback and how we can all the time improve because actually this this hybrid way of working really is a balancing act between the individual uh, need for flexibility mm. at the same time the group and the team's need for predictability and you know when <laughs> well what can i expect and so this this balancing act between mm. these two is it's also one arena where we actually can give feedback which is about the rules and how we do it mm. and and we can manage to make it not so personal but set at the same time about us as a team how do we want to work so instead of you shouldn't come on mondays or you should or but then we can agree on it and have a language for it have a tool for how to to work about it i think that's very important because you talked about the the balance between flexibility and predictability and those are two essential elements in psychological safety because we all have complex lives and that flexibility between private and professional life is core but at the same time there has to be some sort of predictability as to the team if i may challenge you yeah, the hybrid model itself, no one's really cracked the code. And I think it's very tailored depending upon industry and company. Mm. We are many months post pandemic now. How mm. does the hybrid model work for you guys? I mean, do you have certain rules? Do you have certain rules of engagement as to how it is? Or is it very team specific? Yeah. So we have said that we want values instead of rules. And, uh, and that uh, we have really, you know, it would have been so much easier in a way, you know, quicker from an administrative point of view, just to make some rules. But we've really felt that we are a very diverse company and, and uh, the essence of the business is so different. And we also sensed, felt really that uh, the employees really have shown through the pandemic that, you know, we can have a trust-based culture in this organization because people have really stepped up in difficult times and difficult surroundings and managed really well at the same time. So, so, so that is kind of the basis for it. And then for us, it's been every team together with their manager have been discussing, you know, how, how should we uh, work um, yes. in new model. And, but we have been very clear on uh, on a few topics. So one, we believe that the office is the core of our organizational mm. culture and, and learning uh, from each other and making sure that we don't become too much a silo-based company, but that we interact uh, across uh, departments and teams, etc. So, uh, So we have this, uh, every team agrees, and then we have what we call the Storebram Tuesday, so okay. Tuesday is the day that we really want people to be in the office, uh, not put up too many digital meetings, but really uh, focus on working physically together in, in the to office. Face. Yes. Face yeah. to face. And so, so, so that is, has been kind of one way of bringing people back to the office, making it uh, the Tuesdays you really don't want to miss, etc. So, mm. So now we see we have really succeeded in finding a good balance. People are, um, yeah, around sixty percent in the in the office uh, 
Monday to Thursday and, and Fridays are more a, a, dig, a day where you often have digital meetings or you some are in the office, but it's it's a more uh, focused day or a flex day sure. where you work more digital. So we've found good solutions. And I think 87% of our employees give the feedback that they feel involved in, mm. in defining the new workday. Mm. And uh, and that they are they are happy with the balance between flexibility and predictability. I can understand why Sotobron is such an attractive place for people to work. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> talk about a psycholo- psychologically healthy place. So, and that that's <laughs> my perspective. Um, if we could just shift to you as a leader, mm. I was wondering, Dula. You know, a lot of people are trying to understand the DNA of top leaders and how they think and how they bounce back and such. Mm. You yourself, how do you recover from setbacks? I mean, mm-hmm. how do you find a sense of resilience, if I may pick your head there? Mm. Mm. No, but, but thank you. That I think it's and I think it's so important also to stay kind of human and stay in contact with your emotions and especially in a, in a role that I have as a chief people officer it's so important to not become you know too professional too logic based but also you know take your feelings into an account so if there is something happening or we work with a communication and 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 I get this sense of feeling when I read it etc I try to uh, to not run, <laughs> to not continue running, but, you know, to, to reflect on how do I react to this information or how do I react to this change and how will others react? And, and really to take time to reflect. I think that's really um, important. Um, and, and for me, uh, during my uh, uh, life as a, as a top manager in, in different uh, branches and in, in, in during tough times, yes. Yes. Uh, sleeping mm. is really important. It's it's the time when when your brain and your body kind of uh, resets and 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 find time to also reflect. I think, and then yeah. mm. uh, having uh, having uh, close and good colleagues that you can mm. discuss with. I'm an extrovert. I need to reflect myself, but also I need to what I call validate. So checking out, you know, mm. I, I reacted like this to, to this information or this situation or this change that we are now approaching. What is that? Was I kind of, uh, you know, balanced or unbalanced or how should we approach it in a, in a wise and, and smart way in order mm. to make sure that we really involve broadly at the same time, set clear, you know, vision guidelines and, yes, yes. And, uh, and values and all the time going back to the values and the purpose of the of the company so for me it's important to be kind of in line or in sync with the purpose of the company the 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 mission that mm. we are on mm. and, and make sure that there is uh, yeah some kind of good connection between what we do and and what we we start and what we change and the the purpose. Mm. 
I think, you know, just to rewind back to what you said, I think what's very important you said is that you become, you kind of, when you are in the storm or in the chaos that you stop mm-hmm. up, you tap the brakes and you kind of, you're present with yourself. As you said, you reflect or you're self-aware. Every situation has three elements. There's your thinking, there's mm-hmm. your emotions, and there's your action or what we call behavior. And if you check in and ask yourself, what am I thinking right now? That allows you to understand the narrative or the meaning you're assigning to the situation your emotions, well, that allows you, that's how your body communicates to your brain what's going on. And usually your body already knows what's going on before your brain consciously picks things up. So if you can, as you said, if you can be in touch with your emotions, if you can articulate quite specifically what your emotions are communicating, that gives you a power of information to make what you say to align with the situation, to find, to understand the vision, what's the goal, to align and find directions and to, um, how can I say this? Gain orientation to understand yeah. the direction you're going to. And the third mm. is, what is your behavior? How are you physically reacting to this situation? Mm. It can also give you more information. And so self-awareness is the key, what I hear. Is that is that what I understand you're, you're communicating to me, Tuva? Yes, definitely. And I think it's just so important to to take time to do to do that and not only react. And I I sometimes puzzled how quick people react because I need some time to reflect because I think mm. as as top managers and and as manager in a in a very large and complex organization we should be thoughtful about how we react and 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 what actions we take because it's it has a great impact so I also um, sometimes I don't know in in Norwegian you can say that you kind of do you use doubt as a tool to to mature in a decision and um and i think uh, many times managers tend to think that having doubts is uh, is a sign of weakness but in my opinion it's having doubts can be a strength uh, because it shows that things are not easy and and they are important and they impact a lot of people's lives many times uh, and uh, and having doubts and dealing with the doubts and reflecting and maybe bringing in more into more people uh, into the equation and involve but it is hard to stand in because the society and and uh, it, it runs so fast and we want fast solutions and we want quick actions because that is uh, achieved or understood as being being powerful and and you know forward leaning and and mm. all of all of those kind of positive buzzwords. <laughs> but, uh, I think it's important to also you know reflect and and having doubts and and dealing with them. And sometimes when you mature in a decision, it is better. And a lot of things also solves uh, when you discuss with more people. I totally agree. You know, being powerful, being fast, being quick. I think that's a false narrative. And again, self-doubt or the false narrative, what have you, they're all thoughts that we assign or ascribe to a certain situation or a meaning or an event. And as you said, self-doubt or maybe not self-doubt, it could be self-doubt, but doubt in general can be the thought process to understand the thought processes because the doubt to some extent may be coming from, it could be coming from a fear and that you don't want to address the fear or... It could be coming to a 
from a point of critical thinking, it's like, okay, wait, let's slow things down. For me, the analogy is, you know, you're trying to get from A to B and you have to pass through a school zone. Well, you don't want to be clocking 70 kilometers in a school zone that should be 30 because if you're speeding that fast, there's going to be speed bumps, but there's children, there's hazards there and you can create more damage. And it's sometimes what I hear you saying to but it's just, we need sometimes slow things down let it percolate in the head, let it ferment mm. thinking to understand it, take it apart, mm. people into the equation, bring people into the discussion, mm. ideas, then move forward. Because sometimes slowing things down helps to actually speed things up. Is that what I understand, Uva? Definitely. And I think that's a really good phrase, you know, slowing things down means to speed things up because I think, it's so much easier to implement when when people have been involved in the decision making and the thoughts around it, and also when you have thought through all the dilemmas, it's easier to to meet the dilemma when when you start implementing. I'm just respectful of your time. Um, yeah. I just have one more question. You know, there's a lot of young men and young women coming up through the game. What advice would you give them as they move into this decade, as they move into their careers? Maybe they're, they've just received a promotion. They have their first leadership job where they have mm. to manage people. Mm. What general advice could you give them? Mm. No, I think as a manager, it's just very important to find kind of your base. What is your strength? What is what is the basis that you are standing on? And if you are a, a manager who have kind of some kind of base, this is my, this is this is me. This is what what I am. This is why I am good. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have, you find that base, then it's so much easier to to be vulnerable, to ask for help, to open up and to be uh, what I call radically human, you know, really open <laughs> like up that. and include yeah. <laughs> and, and so on. So so I think, you know, find your basis and use the basis to, to, to open up and be curious about the people around you because a leader is to lead through others. It's not kind of to perform on your own so that is one and and the other thing that i really believe in is um, the best career is built by making you know all the efforts and hard work in the job that you are right now thank you very much for joining me on the podcast i think a lot of the the stories and skills and strategies you shared are very implementable and very practical so thank you for that Thanks a lot. It was great reflecting together with you and I really felt that I I learned something as well. Bonus. Thanks again, Duva. <laughs> I hope we get to speak soon. Yeah, thank you. Well, folks, that was Tuva Selnas, Chief People Officer at Sturebrand, which is located in Oslo, Norway. I just want to say another big thank you to you, Tuva, for spending some time with us today and sharing your stories, your skills, and your strategies about building individual resilience as well as organizational resilience. Well, I learned a lot from our conversation, Tuva, so thanks again. Well, folks, you can also find all of Tuva's links and contact information in the show notes. And if you're curious to see what other HR professionals have said and other conversations I've had, you can find the links to those episodes in this episode's show notes. 
And as a call to action, if you could share, recommend, rate this podcast and this episode, you'd be doing me a big solid. I really appreciate that. Please share with two people you know you think it may benefit or find it of interest. And if you're also interested, you can find the link in the show notes to the weekly newsletter. Anyways, folks, that brings us to a tail end of another episode. I really appreciate you joining me for another week. But until next week, keep well, keep strong, and we'll speak soon.